It's always good to, every now and again, take the precepts. Uh, we used to do this uh, pretty much every class. Uh, over on 14th Street, we would always start with the refuges and the precepts and sometimes some other chants on retreats every day. We began with chanting the, uh, the refuges and the precepts and some other chants as well. The precepts uh, offer us uh, guidelines, suggestions for uh, skillful action, for taking skillful action. It's really the first part of the process of uh, following the Dharma. Uh, there is uh, the cultivation of virtue uh, or skillful qualities and the development of concentration and discernment. We work with all three of these, of course, but there is a cause and effect relationship. The degree to which we can develop the skillful qualities will inform the degree to which we can develop concentration and so forth. The precepts really uh, are, uh, are guidelines for baseline unskillful action. So they're sort of like the worst stuff that you can do or the most unskillful. Uh, and you know they they really kind of pre present us with a foundation for ethical conduct from which our practice can grow and from which we can even become more skillful in our actions the process of becoming skillful in our actions is just that it's a process that will be engaged in hopefully throughout our lives uh, there's really no mastery of it until we attain enlightenment uh, which for most of us will probably be in a few weeks, so we have to keep working on these things. But uh, the precepts are a baseline for unskillful action. Uh, very difficult to move forward in Dharma practice. Uh, if we are uh, in breach of the precepts, you know, I mean, nobody's perfect and it's a process. It's a process. Uh, yeah, I, you know, when you start, and I know this was true for me, I looked at the precepts as sort of as rules. You got to follow these rules if you want to do, you know. And then over time, you realize that they're essential to being able to develop concentration, you know. It's like if I want to develop my concentration, my meditation practice, I really have to attend to the precepts. You know, the Buddha understood that. I mean, there is there is an ethical dimension to it, of course, which is, which is crucial. Uh, but, uh, you know, if we can follow and to some extent, to the extent that we're able to, uh, these ethical guidelines, that's going to enable us to develop concentration. If we don't, it's going to be really hard to develop concentration, which means that it's going to be hard to develop discernment, which means it's hard, going to be hard for us to develop wisdom uh, and, and release from suffering and find true happiness. So, you know, ultimately we follow these precepts so we can end suffering and find true happiness. I mean, there is, uh, I mean, the, you know, if we're in a breach of the precepts, you know, there's going to be profound negative consequences just in and of themselves. Uh, you know, there's going to be suffering. There's going to be suffering. Uh, so uh, if we are, uh, you know, I want to focus a little in, in a little bit on the fourth precept to refrain from false speech, to refrain from lying. You know, if we're engaged in lying, and to the extent that we're engaging in lying, 
there's going to be profound negative consequences. There's going to be dukkha. There's going to be suffering, which means that the heart is going to be blocked. You know, that's the way I like to think about dukkha, is that the heart is blocked. So if we're engaged in lying, uh, the heart is going to be blocked. Uh, we experience a loss of integrity. We don't feel good about ourselves. Uh, so, you know, our self-esteem is compromised uh, when we're lying. And, you know, an interesting byproduct of that is people that have integrity avoid us. And we attract other people who have uh, suspect integrity. And of course, if we're lying, engaging in false speech, there's agitation. The mind is agitated. The mind can't settle down and meditation can't develop. We, we, we see this, you know, we see this, you know, and, and the only way to really kind of see this is to refrain from lying in ways that we may have lied, either blatant or subtle, and start to see the effect that it has on our meditation practice and on our lives. You know, I mean, all of this is just uh, suggestions, food for thought. Uh, you have to see for yourself, you know. I mean, most of us, if you're anything like me, don't understand the consequences of false speech, you know. Uh, I mean, we tend to associate it with benefit. You know, you get, there's a benefit, you know, if you can lie in certain ways. I mean, I, I worked in sales for 20 years, you know. The truth was hard to come by, you know. Uh, you know, if you could lie in the most skillful way, you could probably make the most money. So we tend to associate a lying or our intention to lie with something that, as being something that's going to, help us and, and lead us to a greater happiness. So the only way that you can start to understand that that might not be true, at least within the scheme of the Dhamma, is to refrain from lying and see what the results are. What the teaching would suggest is that the mind will become agitated when we lie, meditation can't develop, concentration and wisdom, as I've said, can't develop. Can't develop. The greatest drawback of lying of, of engaging in false speech, of not being truthful, is we lose, if we're engaging in non-truthfulness, in lying and false speech, we lose the ability to be truthful with ourselves about ourselves. We lose the ability to be truthful with ourselves about our actions. And it's our actions that will determine our happiness in this life. You know? The more that we come to understand that, the more we come to understand that we need to be truthful with ourselves about our actions, whether or not they're skillful or unskillful, the more we begin to understand the importance of truthfulness. You know, we start to understand that if we're engaging in false speech, uh, that it severely compromises our ability to practice discernment, what we call heedfulness, to really be truthful with ourselves about our actions because we, because we exist in a deluded state. You know, we, we, we've opted to be in a deluded state. You know, we see this in the world, right? I mean, you know, you see this in the world where the world, there's, uh, you know, tr the truth is hard to come by. And, you know, so many beings, you know, we're all existing in a deluded state to some extent that we can't see clearly or we choose not to see clearly uh, into what our actions are like. Uh, and when we're talking about our actions, of course, we're talking about are they skillful or unskillful? And what that means is are they leading to suffering or away from suffering? And what that means is are our actions unskillful 
informed by aversion and desire or some form of aversion and desire. So, uh, you know, when we are in a deluded state, uh, a state that is uh, uh, inclined to delusion and lack of truth, uh, we can't see that. We can't, uh, or we, we, and not only that we can't see it, we often, I mean, it really starts with having the willingness to see it, the willingness to see the truth. But we tend to exist to some, we all ex exist to some extent in a deluded state. I mean, we're trying to come out of the states of delusion. You know? uh, so, uh, you know, in, 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 in the Buddhist teaching, I mean, all of our suffering begins in delusion and ignorance and avijja. You know, so we're always striving to come out of this state of uh, ignorance. Somebody's trying to get in here. Oh, shoot. You know what? Uh, so uh, it's Im imperative that we develop uh, the quality of truthfulness uh, if we want to be able to uh, be honest with ourselves, about ourselves, about our actions, and about what our minds are like. Because it's our minds that determine our action and determine whether or not we're going to be happy in this life. So ultimately, truthfulness is being about being honest with ourselves, about being truthful with ourselves about our minds and what our minds are like. So we begin, we begin this process of developing a truthfulness that'll enable us to discern what our actions are like and what our minds are like by refraining from lying. It just begins with that. Uh, you know, if we're, if we're lying, then it's going to be really hard to be truthful with ourselves about our actions. And of course, it's going to cause agitation. So it's something that we need to reflect on. Uh, do we engage in false speech? Do we understand the consequences of engaging in lying? Are we willing to resolve to change our habits? You know, that's what the taking the precepts are about. You know, we're, we're, we're resolving to refrain from false speech. It's a serious thing. You know, to me, taking the precepts is a serious thing. You know, we may do it casually, but, you know, you know a serious Dharma student takes this precept seriously because we understand the implications of them and that what we're doing is, you know, making a commitment to living our lives in a certain way in the service of ending suffering. So uh, we learn to develop the quality of truthfulness by refraining from lying. Uh, one of the things that the Thai Ajans talk about in terms of being truthful in terms of speech, uh, and it's really an element of uh, uh, what it means to refrain from false speech or lying, is to be true to your word. So this is another area that we tend not to think about so much. And again, you know, the Thai, the Thai teachers talk about this a lot uh, in our culture. It's not something that we tend to think about. Again, we don't tend to think about truthfulness so much in general. Uh, uh, but uh, this idea of being true to your word, I'm not going to say too much about it today. Uh, I'll put a reading on it in the notes. Uh, but what it means is, if you're going to say if you're going to say you're going to do something, do it. If that's if you know if you say that you're going to do something and you don't do it, that's considered. Uh, not engage, not uh, you know, engaging in false speech. So sometimes you know those things are really blatant. You know, 
you tell your kid you're going to take them to the ball game and you don't, you know? Now think of the agitation that's going to cause you down the line, you know? Sometimes they're really subtle, you know? Oh, I'll see you at the, uh, you know, I mean, I see, I see this all too often. Somebody will say, I mean, this would happen more when we were able to do live classes, but it still happens online too. You know, I'll see you at the class on, on Wednesday. I'll see you at the class on Thursday. I'll see you there. I'll see you then. You know, I'm going to be there and then not showing up. And, you know, we tend to kind of just throw that off. Uh, but it creates uh, a dissonance and it creates a habit of being untruthful. So just be careful about what you say. You know, if you say to somebody, I'm going to give you a call this weekend, give them a call. You know, we just kind of, we just kind of toss that off. But it's sort of indicative of the way that we toss off truthful, toss off truthfulness. We marginalize truthfulness. You know, we see the consequences of that in our own minds, in our own bodies, in our own hearts. And needless to say, you know, this talk isn't about the world and the way the world is so much. I mean, it is because we are, you know, just embodiments of the world. Uh, but we see the consequences of uh, a lack of truthfulness. So when we engage in speech that's truthful, we're starting to put more of a value on being truthful. Uh, we're, and you know, in, in, in starting to uh, practice truthfulness with our mouths, we start to understand the value of truthfulness and being uh, somebody who's truthful, a person of integrity, being a certain kind of person, being a certain kind of person. You know, I mean, you know, this is one of my you know, one of my primary, uh, uh, you know, ways of thinking about our practice, you know, and you could say it's a pet peeve, but, you know, we're not practicing the Dharma to be the same person that we are and do the same things that we've been doing and just have less stress about it, you know, practicing the Dharma to change and to be a different kind of person, to be a better person to be a better person, if you want to use more prosaic terms. But a few, a few people have said that to me recently, you know, it's like, I want to be a better person. You know, that really makes me happy. You know, I feel real joy when I hear somebody say that. So what I really want to kind of focus on on this talk is in, in terms of developing the quality of truthfulness is, is learning to be truthful with ourselves about ourselves. Learning to be truthful with ourselves about ourselves. Because uh, this is really the heart of the Dharma, you know? It's being truthful with yourself about yourself, about your actions, about your actions. Are my actions unskillful? Which means, of course, uh, are they informed by a desire or aversion or some form of desire or aversion? If our actions are formed by, informed by desire or aversion, this will cause affliction toward, to us and to others. So uh, really what we're saying, of course, is, you know, are we being truthful with ourselves about our minds? You know, about the mind that's, that's driving action, if it's our speech, you know, so again, you know, lying is just the baseline, you know, but is our speech informed with aversion or desire, you know, and to be, to start to be truthful with, with that, you know, I mean, you know, for years, you know, and I'm, I'm far from being perfect, I want to be a better person, you know, 
But for years, I, I, you know, I mean, my level of not being truthful with myself about my speech in terms of not just lying, uh, certainly in terms of lying, but also in terms of speaking with aversion or, you know, some other kind of unskillful uh, mental quality wasn't even something that I considered. You know, that's, that's, that's the height of ignorance, you know, not even looking to see whether or not your uh, mind is informed with unskillful qualities when you're speaking. You know, so, you know, and then, you know, we, you know, the first movement out of ignorance is saying, okay, I'm going to start to look and see what my mind is like and see what my actions are like and see what my speech is like, you know, so we begin to start that movement out of ignorance, you know, and then it's a process of, you know, being more and more truthful over time, you know, and, and, you know, the thing with, with being truthful is, you know, you may have a commitment to being truthful which is really what this talk is about. Uh, and, but that commitment might not, might not be so full-blown. Uh, you may have a commitment to being truthful and uh, sometimes you don't live up to that commitment. And you may have a commitment to being truthful and you're trying, but you have blind spots. You know? I mean, blind spots is a whole area in terms of our capacity to be truthful that we have to sort of be aware of and uh, you know, that's, that's when you're really getting into uh, the heart of what it is to be truthful. It's like, what are my blind spots? What are my blind spots? Now, you know, what the teachings say, you know, and of course what my teacher would say, you know, it's like the best way to find out what your blind spots are is ask somebody what they are. Like, you know, you have to choose a wise person. You know, that's what teachers are for. Like, what are my blind spots? Where am I uh, being unskillful? From my perspective, most people don't want to hear that. So... Uh, you know, if you want to know, I mean, and again, you know, as a teacher, I can only really know what people's blind spots are if I'm around them for a long time. Uh, you know, so, uh, but most people don't want to have other people tell them what their unskillfulness is. And that's just sort of how our culture is. It's different, I think, in other cultures, perhaps. That's okay. I'm cool with that. You know, that's a hard thing to say, to say, you know, can you tell me, like, how screwed up I am? or where I'm unskillful. Uh, so, I, I mean, I, I can get that to some extent. Uh, you know, we, we've probably had experiences, you know, and that's sort of the rationale behind that, why we don't do that as teachers generally in the West, whereas, you know, in, in the, you know, Asian Thai teachers, Burmese teachers would be more apt to do that. So that's okay. But, you know, what I would say is, you know, you have to start in your process of becoming more truthful to start to, dig into what perhaps are your blind spots. So we are truthful with ourselves about our speech, about our deeds, and of course about our thinking, which is another whole level of being truthful. You know, am I being truthful about my thinking? Am I being truthful about the way I'm thinking about other people? Am I being truthful about my thoughts of desire and lust, etc.? You know, or am I just sloughing that off? Am I, am I choosing ignorance? Yeah. Now, I, I would never have thought to even look at my thoughts and try to be truthful about them. It's like, they're my thoughts, you know? And what's the point anyway? Because that's what the way that I think. The point is you can change the way you think. And if you learn to think in a more skillful way, uh, you'll move towards a greater happiness in life. But the only way you're going to learn to think in a more skillful way is to be truthful with yourself about the unskillful ways that you're thinking. It's the only way. It's the only way. So 
really it, it comes down to, as I've said, being truthful with ourselves about our minds, about the quality of the mind. You know, being truthful with yourself about the quality of your mind right now. Is there resistance to what I'm saying? You know, is there some kind of an unskillful? Why did I come to this class today? You know, is there some quality in the mind right now that's that's unskillful? You know, when we say unskillful, it's causing you suffering. You know, ultimately, it's causing you suffering. Uh, so, you know, our practice at its heart at its heart is being truthful with ourselves about our minds and the quality of the mind, the quality of the mind that's informing action, uh, that's driving our thinking, the quality of the mind in terms of the degree to which we cling to aversion and desire. Anybody here cling to aversion and desire? Everybody here clings to aversion and desire. Everybody here clings to aversion and desire, unless we have somebody here who's an arhant. I don't know everybody here perfectly well, but my guess is we don't have any arhants here, which means that you cling to aversion and desire to some extent. You don't let go, or, or at least you're, I'm gonna, I'm gonna correct that, you're a non-returner, you know? You don't let go of aversion and desire completely until you reach the third level of enlightenment, you know? So uh, we all have uh, degrees to which, you know, we all have aversion and desire, we all cling to some extent to aversion and desire. And we, you know, we use these terms aversion and desire. It's all their subsets, right? You know, these unskillful emotions, which are highly clingable, flammable, and they lead us to suffering. So, you know, our practice is about being truthful about what's in the mind and the consequences of that. You know, so there's those two parts about being truthful about what's in the mind uh, and then the consequences of that the short-term consequences, but also the long-term consequences of that. So, you know, are we truthful with ourselves about our minds? You know, it, it, you know, it's an interesting thing because, you know, as we practice, we come to understand that it's the mind that determines whether or not we're going to be happy in this life, which is a very counterintuitive for us, you know. I mean, this is the teaching of the Buddha. It's your mind that determines whether or not you'll be happy. But we don't think that. We think that, no, it's my partner. No, it's the stock market. No, it's, I'll be happy when the pandemic is over. Not, not, you know, you know, because you'll have the same mind, you know. So, you know, it's not, we, we, we think, we blame all these other things on our unhappiness, but really it, it comes down to the mind. You know? So uh, the more you start to understand that, the more you start to understand that, that's wisdom. You know? I mean, this is what the Buddha suggests. You have to see it for yourself. You know, the best way, and the only way that you can really understand it, you know, so it's a little bit of that catch-22. Uh, you know, the only way you can really understand it is to start to make an effort to abandon unskillful mental qualities, abandon actions that are informed by unskillful qual mental qualities, cultivate skillful mental qualities, you know, and start to see that that's going to lead you to happiness. Like right now, if there's, I don't like what he's saying, can you be truthful about that and see that? This kind of, I mean, I use this as just because, you know, this is real life. It's about seeing things in real life. It's in real terms. Uh, 
But I, I know for myself, when I'm in a group like this, you know, there's always, look at this one, look at that one. I hate what the teacher's saying. Bah, 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 bah. So it's good practice for me to see what my mind is like. So you see, oh, there's a version in the mind. Okay, can I get some space from that? Can I be here with compassion? What's that like? Whoa. You know, first of all, I can do that. You start to see, I can change, you know? I mean, we don't really make an effort to change until we understand that we can change, but you're not really going to make an effort to change. Uh, uh, you're not really going to understand that you can change until you make some kind of an effort. So you've got to try, you've got to begin to start trying and, and see for yourself. You know, what's it like if I can, because you can change the way the mind is. If you can't, then we're screwed, you know, but the mind is malleable. It's changeable, you know, it's fat, you know, you can, it, it, you know, it's fabrication. So you can change the way the mind is. The whole teaching is based on that. The whole teaching is based on that. So you try it. You try it. You try it right now. Well, let me instead be here with compassion, loving kindness, you know. Try it this afternoon. Try it tonight. Try it. As I always like to say, you know, try it. And if you don't like it, we can refund your misery. So uh, are we being truthful with ourselves about the mind? Are we making an effort to see what the mind is like? Because it's really about making an effort to see what the mind is like on an ongoing basis. And really what that means, of course, is are we making an effort to see how we're causing suffering, you know? Because we're causing suffering, you know, and again, when we talk about what the mind is like, we're not necessarily talking about, you know, there's aversion or desire in the mind that's like we're clinging and we're holding on to aversion and desire. That's the issue. But, you know, again, aversion and desire and their myriad subsets are highly flammable. So chances are when they arise, we're going to cling on to them. Can we see that we're doing that? Can we be truthful? Now, it, it's hard. It's hard. I mean, you know, one of my one of my favorite uh, Buddha teachings, you know, when it comes to this being truthful, you know, is comes from, uh, you know, the great Ajahn Jack Nicholson, who said, you can't handle the truth. You know, I mean, the truth is, is it, can, it can be hard to hard to deal with, you know, so what the Buddha does is puts us in good position so that we can deal with the truth. And the first thing is developing self-esteem. You know, that's why he has us practice generosity and virtue. So, you know, if you're lying, you know, and your self-esteem is compromised, it's going to be really hard for you to look at the things about your mind and about your actions that are unskillful and that are causing you suffering. But as you start to refrain from lying and follow the other precepts, you begin to start to develop some sense of integrity and self-esteem. As Tanjef Tanisarabiko says, healthy ego development. Now you're starting to be in a position where you can look at your unskillfulness, where you can start to look at the mind in an unflinching way. Because ultimately you have to look at the mind in an unflinching way. The technical term for that is with equanimity, you know, with space and objectivity, so that you can look at the mind like an observer you know, and that comes through developing concentration. So the more the mind settles down through practicing skillful action, refraining from uh, precepts, the more the mind settles down, the more we start to able to develop some concentration. The mind settles down a little bit more. We have a little bit more space. We can start to pay closer attention to our actions and, and, and be okay with the truth. Be okay with the truth about what's in the mind. So, uh, and it requires, of course, discernment, clear seeing, the ability to see things clearly, 
you know, and that's a process that is developed through concentration over time. Because like I said, there's blind spots in the mind, there's things that we just can't see, there's things that we don't wanna see. Gradually over time, you see things. I mean, I see things about my mind. You know, I mean, the pandemic has been a great opportunity to see things about my mind. You know, the things I've gone through the last year and so much change has been a great opportunity to see things about the mind. Now, give myself a little credit, I mean, I, I, that's the way I look at it, you know? What is there to learn here? Which means what is there to learn here about the mind? So, you know, it's a process. Discernment is a process. So these are basics of practice, virtue, concentration, and discernment. Uh, but it also requires a commitment to the truth. You know, this is one of the skillful qualities, one of the paramis, which even, you know, antedates concentration and discernment, if you will. You know, uh, we have to begin to develop a commitment to the truth. This is one of the great determinations that we have to develop as Dharma students to preserve the truth. You know, the Buddha talked about four determinations. You know, and see if I can remember them. Not to neglect discernment, to preserve the truth, to practice relinquishment, which means relinquishing the unskillful mental qualities and to train for peace. So this is one of the great determinations. And he said, these are the things you have to be determined to do as a Dharma student, to preserve the truth, to be truthful. You know, the Buddha said very cogently, give me a person who's truthful, I can teach that person the Dharma. People came to him and he, and he perceived that they were dishonest, he wouldn't teach them the Dharma because like, why waste his time? They're not gonna learn the Dharma, you know? So give me a person who's truthful and I can teach that person the Dharma. We can, we, we can learn the Dharma, we can be the Dharma if we're truthful. So it's a process, you know, it's a, it's a process of being uh, more truthful with ourselves about ourselves, not being complacent, not being complacent. And this is a, something I have to watch out for a lot because I've been doing this a long time. You know, to be really careful about thinking that I've gotten rid of certain mental qualities that I may, in my delusion, think that I've gotten rid of. That, for me, is a really red flag, you know? Sometimes I hear this from, I don't think anybody here recently, but I hear this from newer students. Oh, yeah, I've gotten rid of all my anger, but, you know, I want to I want to kind of learn some of these meditation skills, you know? It's like, red flag red flag, you know, if you, if you, you know, and that's what happens to like, you know, these meditation guru teachers who think that they've, you know, transcended their aversion and their anger. And the next thing you know, they're, you know, they're involved in some horrific scandal, you know, that's delusion, you know, that's delusion, you know, uh, yeah. uh, I, I think over the years, you know, and just for whatever reason, you know, I have some capacity to be truthful about myself, and I've often shared that in the group, and people say they always appreciate that, you know? I mean, I guess the people that don't appreciate it don't come, but, you know, uh, you know, it's like if you, you know, I always say if you want a teacher who uh, is perfect, this is the wrong place to be, you know? Uh, but, you know, to me, it's not, is the teacher perfect? You know, the, the mark of a good teacher, one of the things that you want to look for in a teacher, not me or anybody else, is are they honest about, you know, their unskillfulness? 
you know, are they able to be honest and truthful with themselves about their own faults and foibles and the way that their mind is. So, you know, we have to be careful about thinking that we've ridded ourselves of aversion and desire. We've all got stuff, you know, we've all got aversion and desire in the mind. Uh, you know, if you think that you don't, I would really take a step back. Uh, if you don't think it's a problem, I would also take a step back and, you know, uh, you know, reassess. You know, we all have work to do. Be careful about thinking, this is an interesting one, I mean, this is more of refined, but be careful about thinking that you know what your issues are. I know what my issues are. I'm this, that, and the other thing. Those tend to usually, they may be things that you've learned through, you know, through seeing things in real time in meditation practice. They also may be ideas that you have, or they may be just, they may be true, but, you know, they, you may have other issues that you're not aware of, is sort of what I'm saying, you know? So, uh, or there may be, let's put it another way, issues is a funny word, there may be qualities of mind that are impinging on your efforts to be happy that you're not aware of, even though you're aware of other qualities of mind that are impinging on your efforts to be happy. So be determined to look and see, to be truthful. It's really about de being determined to be truthful. You know, not to relinquish discernment, which means we keep looking, we keep paying attention, ABC, awareness, awareness, and we preserve the truth. And we make an effort over time to relinquish, to practice relinquishment, to let go of the unskillful so that we can train for peace. So can we learn to be truthful with ourselves about our minds? Can we develop a commitment to truthfulness? Remember what the Buddha said, give me somebody who's truthful, I can teach that person the Dharma. So if we can be truthful, we can practice the Dharma, we can know the fruits of the path, and we can know the Dharma inside of ourselves.